Well, hello, church. I'm so pleased you're with us today as we worship the Lord again. And I just want you to know that we are continuing to have church at the Naples Grand Resort and Hotel every Sunday afternoon. And so if you're not able to join with us online, you can come and be with us in person. Either place, we want you to feel free and not any pressure. And if you're concerned about coming to a public place, we understand that. Uh, and that's why we continue to put the messages online. And I hope that you can share them with others as we go through this sermon series. So let's open with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the blessings in our life. I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for our church. I thank you that you've sustained our church and kept it healthy, Father. And now we ask you to bless this message through the Holy Spirit. Apply it to our lives today in every possible way as we put this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, we are continuing in the sermon series, uh, which I have entitled Following Jesus in Today's World. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in today's world? What are the pressures that we face? What are the temptations that we face? Uh, and this is part three of that series. This is a, a five-part series. And today, part three is entitled Confronting Satan. Now, Satan is the chief adversary that we face in this world. This world is effectively his world. He has dominion in this world. Uh, and so God has equipped us through the Holy Spirit to give us all the power and authority that we need to defend ourselves against the arrows of Satan. Uh, and so yet it is not easy to live as a, as a Christian. Satan and his millions of demons are out there uh, trying to destroy us and take us off task get us away from ministry. And so without the power of the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to serve Jesus. And you know, the Bible makes it very clear that all power and authority rests with God. For example, Psalm 2 verse 11 says, power belongs to God. Uh, Psalm 79 verse 11 says, the greatness of the power of God. And Jesus himself said in Matthew 28 verse 18, all power is given unto me, in heaven and in earth. And so knowing that as followers of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, we are equipped with that power, as long as we stay within the shadow of the Lord, it becomes very important for us as we know that we will face the very battles of Satan. And why is that? Because once you become a Christian, you have effectively made your life a battlefield. Satan will put a uh, mark on you, meaning that you are a person that he would like to get offline. He would like to get you away from Jesus. He would like to get you away from ministry. And so you need to be aware of that. And you need to be prepared for this lifelong battle that will take place. Uh, and so uh, the leader of the evil in this world is Satan. His name is also Lucifer. Uh, and in another uh, message, uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to do a whole series on the unseen forces that surround us. And we will delve deeper into angels and Satan. But Satan, also known as Lucifer, uh, was the highest ranking created being that ever existed. He was only below Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Other than that, there was no other created being that had the, the authority that Satan did. He was extraordinary, be extraordinarily beautiful. He was talented uh, and unfortunately, his very talents and his beauty got to him and the pride got to him and it got to the point 
where he wanted to effectively ascend to the level of God. Uh, and as a result of that, he took one-third of the angelic realm uh, with him out and were thrown out of heaven. Imagine that. One-third of the angels fell with Lucifer. Uh, and so these fallen angels are what we refer to today as demons, and they populate the entire world. And not only do they populate the world, they populate governments and countries. There's not a government in this world in which some demon is not in uh, sight. It's everywhere. And if you think it's not so in America, then I would say open your eyes because it's that way here as well. And so the purpose of the demon world, led by Satan, is twofold. First, it's to hinder the very purpose of God in every possible way. And then it is to extend the power of Satan also. And so we're going to read a few passages today that will show you the, the authority of God as he comes face to face with demons. And one of the very famous passages there is found in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. And Jesus will come face to face with two demon-possessed men. Uh, and, and the message here for you, first of all, is to see the extent of depravity that Satan will do to human beings when they succumb to him. Uh, and these two men lived out in the tombs. They could not live in normal society. They had tried to chain them up and they broke the chains through superhuman strength. Uh, they were screaming, they were tortured. Uh, they didn't wear clothing because they, nothing, nothing could constrain them. And uh, they would howl and scream until they come face to face with the Son of God. Matthew chapter eight, verse 28. When Jesus arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? I want to stop at that point and, and make a point to you. Here is Jesus who will spend three years bringing the message of the gospel to, to the Jewish community, focusing on the scribes and Pharisees who will never accept him. And yet here, um, when he comes to the region of the Gadarenes, he will come across two demon-possessed men who are shut out from society, and yet these demons recognize that they have come face to face with the Son of God. And here's what, here's what it says. What do you want with us, Son of God? There it is. They recognized who they were with. They recognized the authority of Jesus. Now, they did not submit to Jesus, right? They do not follow Jesus, but they recognize who he is. And then they said, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? What does that mean? It means that the Satan and his demons understand that there is a limited time for them in this world, that there will be a time of judgment. And they were concerned here that Jesus was coming uh, to torture them before the appointed time, meaning the appointed time at the end of time, when Satan and his forces will be thrown into a lake of fire. I think this is very interesting. And then uh, verse 30 in that same passage says, Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. Jesus said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down into the steep bank, into the lake and died in the water. Now, uh, amazing 
amazing demonstration of the power of, of the demons and Satan, of the evil world, where this herd of pigs was overcome. Um, and so you see this here. And so Jesus makes it very clear about who Satan is. He said in John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, quote, he, Satan, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. There it is. That's the nature of who, of who Satan is. Killing, stealing, and destroying in every possible way. And you see that here with these men uh, who were delivered uh, from possession by Jesus Christ. And so here Satan had stolen their lives. And as he had stolen their lives, he was in the process of completely destroying them, probably to the point where they would die. Uh, and really, if you think about it, that is a metaphor that relates to us of what we were like before we gave our hearts to Jesus. We were dead men walking, all right? Maybe, maybe we, did, we weren't so uncivilized uh, as these two men were, but we were equally outside of the will of God until God saved us. Uh, and these two men would be saved and would be delivered from their demon possession. And so as, as far as society was concerned, this was a hopeless condition. Let's understand that. Nothing that these townspeople could do could, could effectuate this situation. This was a hopeless situation by every demonstration of the world. And so Jesus had gone through a serious storm, walked through a serious storm in order to come and save two tortured souls. Um, and, and so as the story unfolds, we learn clearly that Satan and his demons understand who Jesus is, recognize him, recognize the authority he has, and recognize theologically that there will be an end of time for them. This is important. Um, and, and in fact, there's another passage that lends light on that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 5, because I think this is interesting as well. It's a similar story, but it gives a little bit more light on it. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And the first thing I want to say to you is that within your human authority, you cannot fight Satan. There it is. These people were trying to contain and restrain Satan within their human authority. You lose. It's only with the authority and power of God and the Holy Spirit that we can contain uh, and defend ourselves uh, against Satan. And that's an important lesson here. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Now, can you imagine that? Son of the Most High God bowing before Jesus, uh, indicating that the demonic world recognizes again the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And so what does this all mean? It means despite that, this, that the evil world, that the demonic world despises and hates God, yet they recognize what he stands for. They recognize his authority. Uh, and if you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 2, if you would, uh, because I want you to read this. James chapter 2, talking about really this same issue. 
James chapter 2, verse 19. It says there, quote, You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Well, you might want to refer that sometime when you're talking to somebody who says, well, there might possibly be a God. I'm not sure who God is, but there might possibly be. And you can say, well, you need to be aware of the fact that even the demons believe that there is a God, all right? And yet they shudder. And so that's the point. That's the point that here Jesus was trying to spread the gospel, the good news to Israel where he had been called from the beginning of time to do this and was being rejected and yet the demon world understood full well what his power and authority was. And so despite the fact that they understand who Jesus is, understand who God is, they despise that and they would undermine everything that he stands for uh, in every possible way. Uh, and, and, and furthermore, in Mark uh, chapter 3, the scripture tells us that whenever Jesus came in the presence of those people who were possessed by demons, the demons would throw themselves to the ground in front of him and shriek, you are the son of God. Can you imagine that? That's in Mark chapter three, verse 11. You are the son of God, the recognition of the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And so we understand this, that Satan knows who Jesus is and he knows who his followers are. He knows those who have accepted him. Now, he, what he'd like to do is to take us out of our game. Let's understand something. Once you're saved, you're given over to Jesus, you can never be demon-possessed. Satan can never take up authority in you, but he can influence you. He can take you away from ministry. He can discourage you. He can stop you in your walk with Jesus Christ. And you need to be aware of it. That's why we're putting it in this series. That's why followers of Jesus in today's world needs to be aware of this. Uh, and so why, today, Satan is pulling out all stops because he knows that there's a timeline for his existence in this world. We don't know what it is, but at some point in time, God is going to punch the clock. And Satan will be thrown into a lake of fire along with all his demons. And Satan is full well aware, aware of this. And so Satan is pulling out all stops today in this world. Do you ever wonder when you think about it how this world looks worse and worse and worse? The division, uh, the vitriol that you see all over, the, the, the vile criminal records that take place. Uh, and so what you recognize is that Satan is in every country in the world in every government in the world, in every seat of power in the world, that is, it is surrounding us in the very heavenly realms, uh, and these are the powers and the authorities that God is warning us about. And that even those who have committed themselves to following Jesus Christ, committed themselves in every way, will be affected by Satan because he will tempt them, he will afflict them. I, I wanna give you a good example of that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, and this is uh, the Apostle Paul speaking. Uh, and to me, this is a very profound message. He's talking here about the fact that he has been blessed incredibly. God brought him up into the heavens. He saw what heaven was like. Now, he couldn't, he couldn't tell us what it was like, but he had these great prophecies that had been revealed to him. And he had been used in the most mighty of way. Paul was given the authority to speak to kings and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ across the entire European area. And, and even Asia. And so with all of these things being raised to that level, writing effectively two-thirds of the New Testament, he had every reason to begin to feel prideful about where he was. 
And he was aware of that, the dangers of that. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited. And this is a point that we need to remember too. Pride is a terrible thing. If you've been uh, used by God to advance the gospel, if God has given you great gifts and talents, get on your knees and thank him. Get on your knees and thank him. Put your face in the dust and thank him for the fact that he gave you those talents. He gave you those gifts. He gave you those privileges. It's not anything that you earned, all right? You didn't earn it, all right? Because you're a gifted, talented person, you didn't earn that. That was a gift of God, and Paul understood this. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, a messenger of Satan to torment me. That's a wonderful way of phrasing it. This was a messenger of Satan. Now, we don't know precisely what the thorn in the flesh was, but theologians uh, conjecture that it was probably some kind of eye disease that, that made it difficult to look at Paul's face because of this eye condition that he had. And whatever it was, Paul felt that it was hindering him in his ability to preach. God didn't think it was hindering him, but Paul did. Uh, and so he says here in verse eight, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Can you imagine that? He's pleading with God three times, Lord, heal me, take it away from me. Don't let me have this issue in my life. It was, it was a thorn of Satan is what he said. But he said to me, God said to him, the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Wow, that's something you can put on your, your refrigerator. My power is made perfect in weakness. When you are weak, then I am strong. When you have given up your own human authority, your own human abilities to confront something and instead ask for me, you will be strong. And so what does Paul say then? As he came to understand that this, this issue that he had, uh, this thorn in the flesh was something that he needed. He needed as God demonstrated that he needed it. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Folks, there's a verse that you can take to the bank and recognize that, yes, you're going to have weaknesses. You're going to have insults. You're going to have hardships and persecutions and difficulties. But if you recognize that God is with you, that you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, all these things will lift you up and will allow you to have an incredible ministry as God will use this and demonstrate the world, demonstrate to the world who you are and how important you are to him. Look also at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 13. Here it says, uh, we'll start with verse 12. So if you think you are standing firm, and this is Paul again speaking, be careful that you don't fall. In, under, in other words, don't rest on your laurels. Don't rest on your human ability, okay? Don't think that you can't fall. Uh, then he says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way 
out so that you can stand up under it. There it is. So when you're going through these temptations, even when Satan is firing his darts at you and taking shots at you, you need to understand that God is with you. He will not allow anything greater than what he knows that you can withstand. He's with you. Uh, and so really, the, the lessons for us in these passages uh, is threefold, as I see it. First, when Satan takes over our lives, he intends to destroy us. That's what his modus is, modus operandi is. He intends to destroy us. That's the whole bottom line. He wants to uh, effectively kill us, take us out of the game, take us away from Christ, take us away from ministry. Second, society is powerless to stop this. And this is important because I hear people all the time talk about the need for more government reform, government intervention, uh, a more a society that is more loving and caring uh, in, in every possible way. And let me tell you something. I'm all for government helping the helpless. But government will not fight evil. It will not fight evil. It is powerless to fight evil. Only the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit can fight evil. And make no mistake about it. And so when you see these soaring crime statistics going out all over, all over the place, even now as we see them defunding the police departments, Make no mistake about it. Don't you think that these issues are inspired by Satan who would like nothing better than to see this world take away uh, the power to defend against him? All right? Ask God, really. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom uh, as you come across these people who have been so perverted in their thought process. Uh, and third, all right, third, we see the power of the Savior. Uh, he took these two men of torment and, and delivered them and brought them hope brought them back into a, a society where they could stand as a, as a society. Look, if you would, at Luke chapter 8, uh, because you get a chance to see how society reacts to this. Luke chapter 8, verse 35. An amazing situation after Jesus had delivered this miracle. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this to the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to see Jesus, they found the men from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. How about that? They were afraid because these men had been delivered from the demons. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed men had been cured. And then all the people of the region asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear uh, and the reason for that is they hated to see their pig herd destroyed. Jesus, we can't afford to keep you around. What a sad commentary on society. Isn't that unbelievable? That's the sad nature of society. Apparently, Jesus was bad for business. Uh, but here's the thing about Jesus. When you tell Jesus that you don't want him, he doesn't ask a second time. He leaves, and you see that here, that he leaves. And so... Sadly today, many Christians live in unconscious disbelief of Satan and the power of evil in this world. I mean, this is true. If you're going to talk to people who are going to say to you, oh, come on, you don't really believe there's a guy named Satan or Lucifer. You don't believe that. That's a, a fable, really. Oh, no. Oh, no. The scripture talks about it. Jesus talks about it. And as far as I'm concerned, if it's in Scripture and Jesus talks about it, I don't need any other proof. And all you have to do is look around you and see the, the, the state of evil in the world that we live in. The Apostle Paul gave us 
a true insight into this evil world in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, where he said, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In the heavenly realms, meaning the demonic world in the heavenly realms that surround us, that's in every possible country, in every possible government. We are surrounded by evil in the heavenly realms, and that's what we're fighting against not flesh and blood. And so here's the point that he's making. First, the struggle, struggle is supernatural. Uh, it's not flesh and blood. Second, the struggle is personal. Each one of us personally will have to struggle with this. And third, the struggle is futile if we try to struggle with our own power unless we rely on the Holy Spirit. And so conventional tactics will avail nothing. Nothing. They are completely irrelevant as we face the powers of evil. We must be convinced that without the enforcing and protecting aspect of the Holy Spirit, we are doomed to fail. We face a vast, organized hierarchy of evil. Let me repeat that. We face a vast, organized hierarchy of evil. There is clearly a great demonic enemy with a defined purpose in their lives. Uh, and, and a specific chain of command. This is not a trivialized picture of Satan in any way, shape, or form. Satan is powerful, but God is more powerful. Uh, and so Jesus made it clear when he instructed Paul. He said that Paul's responsibility was to open the eyes of the people and to turn them from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God. And so you understand that. And so, so this becomes critical in our understanding. And so one of the devil's most effective methods in, in derailing Christians is to instill doubt about the goodness of God. You know that. Uh, Satan would like nothing better than to let you begin to think, well, God really isn't good. Sometimes he does things that are really hurtful. Let me tell you something. God loves you so much that all you need to know is he sent his son to the cross for you. Who else would give up everything that he had for a human race so that the human race could eventually be part of his family? Uh, and, and so you see that. And, Satan, and Jesus defeated Satan in every aspect, in every possible aspect, and finally defeated him uh, at the cross. And it's the great statement that uh, the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, where he says that Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Can you imagine? That's exactly what Jesus did. And, and now through the power of Christ, these demons are under our feet as well because of Jesus. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit uh, as part of the body of Christ, these satanic forces cannot subdue us. Yes, they may hit, strike at us. Yes, we may take some, some hits. But at the end of the day, we will overcome them through the power of of Christ and the, and the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to think about this. The greatest battle that ever took place between good and evil, in my opinion, took place more than 2,000 years ago when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness. That's really when you see Satan putting the line down in the sand about how he wanted to destroy Jesus just before Jesus would start his ministry. And there's some lessons there for us today. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. 
After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And Jesus defeated Satan right there as he began the study of the part of his ministry. And so there you see how Satan comes at the very moment of your human weakness. Forty days Jesus hadn't eaten anything. And I'm sure he, he, he was just filled with hunger and he was weakened. And so that's when Satan comes, when you're at a weak point. And so here's what we learned. We have some lessons here that Jesus is teaching us today. First, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the very power of God. It was the Holy Spirit of God which allowed Jesus to defend himself against Satan. That allowed him to remember the words of the scripture that he could call up. Uh, and all of this becomes important for us because we're merely human beings. But we are filled with the Holy Spirit and it is the Holy Spirit which will defend us against Satan. Second, Satan will take advantage of our human weaknesses and we all have them. In every possible way, Satan knew that Jesus was overcome uh, with hunger. That is why he suggested to Jesus, look, you could turn these stones into bread. After all, you're the son of God and you know you're hungry. Why don't you do it? And, and Jesus would not allow it. He would not uh, let his divine powers be used for a purpose like that. And third, Satan often uses pride, pride to get us to sin. And here Satan said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, and he used it multiple times. In other words, prove it to me. If you really are, you can do these powerful things. Let me see you do them. Let me see you use your power. And Jesus would never do that. And you know, that, that happens to us today. Uh, we will be filled with pride at some point. Some of us will think, well, you know, I could never fall. I could go into all kinds of situations and I would never, I would never betray God. And yet we know that we're weak. We're weak, so we can't let pride overtake us. And we have to remember that if God has given us talents and gifts, it is only because he gave them to us, not because we earn them. All right? We never earn them. He gave them to us. Fourth, we need to keep our spiritual sword sharp. And what is that? That's the word of God. That's why we study the word of God and regularly read and, and study the Bible. Why? When we come across these situations with Satan, we want to be able to bring up those citations from the scripture that can be used to defend ourselves. And you see that with Jesus here. In every case, he cited scripture to, to defend himself against Satan. Fifth, we need to obtain our spiritual food daily. Jesus said it very clearly, quote, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Look, 
Yes, we live in a world. We have human limitations. Yes, we need food. Yes, we need water. But what we need more than anything else is the spiritual word of God, the word of Bible, the word of God, the truth in our lives, so that that truth can defend us against Satan. Six, Satan perverts the truth. He often creates a false truth in order to get us to sin. And you understand that. He sets up these, these false truths. It's things like he'll say, well, come on now. God doesn't really want you to be, uh, not have this joy in your life or, or be able to have this recreation. Come on, what kind of God would that be? And you understand that he sets up these false truths in order to get us to fall. And so we want to be prepared for that as well. He's a liar, a prevaricator, right? He's the, the accuser of the brethren. He's a murderer. And so nothing that he says is of any consequence to good. And we need to be aware of that. Uh, seventh, we must not tempt God. We should not foolishly place ourselves in harm's way. And here's what he did with Jesus. Just throw yourself off the temple wall. You know that it says the angels shall be given charge of you. He'll be picking you up. What a great, what a great message that will be to the world, demonstrating your authority. And Jesus said, no way. No way. We do not tempt God foolishly by, by exposing ourselves to harm. That's important to us as we live our lives. Uh, and that we must only worship God and Jesus Christ. We never bow to the will of Satan. We never listen to Satan in terms of his ideas and thoughts. We rebuke him in every way. And finally, Jesus said at the end, as he ended this series of temptations and drove Satan away, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. That's Matthew 4, chapter 10. Only with God walking beside us can, can we really defeat Satan. This is the message for us today. As we walk in this modern world, there is Satan around, surrounded by his demons, who would like nothing better to, to, than to destroy you and take you out of ministry. You are now forewarned. You understand what you need to be guarding against, and God will be there to protect you. This is a message that you should convey to a lost world. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this message. Father, we thank you for what you've given us through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for all these tools that you've given us, Lord, to defend ourselves against the temptations of Satan. Protect us, Lord, especially so during these evil times. Lift our people up. Put a wall around them, Lord. And in every possible way, guide them and lead them and help them to give this message to a lost generation that needs to understand just how dangerous a foe we have with Satan. Father, we thank you again for all the blessings of our life. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We love you, church.